This podcast was recorded at State Library Victoria on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. It discusses events that occurred on the lands of the Jajarurung people, Jagara and Turrbal peoples and Wajak Nunya people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. And welcome back to In Those Days. I'm here today with Christine Adams. Hi, Penny. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So before we get our guest today, I just wanted to talk to you about names because we're both married ladies and you didn't change your name though when you no. got married, did you? No, I didn't. No, and neither did I. But some people when they get married do change their name and that does pose a bit of an issue then when you're looking for people in the archives because Mm. sometimes you might know someone's married name or you might know their maiden name and you don't know the change. And the good thing about Trove though is it often has marriage notices so from the paper they'll have a notice and that gives you a really good link between the person's maiden name. And then the other thing Mm. Sometimes in the older days, not so much now. What did do you know? What they uh, would then call the married lady? They would not use their name at all. Sorry, I just went really quiet. Kind <laughs> of like married ladies back in the day. <laughs> exactly. They didn't use their first name. My mum would have become Mrs. Peter Tangi. And so sometimes in the paper, if you're looking for a married lady, you don't search for oh, her you name. You look at for her all. husband. You look for her husband's name. Right. So these are all the little tricks that are quite relevant when I was working on today's topic. Okay. But for people who are interested in helping other people in Trove, there is something that you can do because you can tag articles with the person's full name. Ah. And so okay. the next person coming along. It'll be easier for them. So to you're find a trove it. helper. <laughs> that, I like to think of myself that excellent, way. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I think we should get our guest. Sounds good. Christina, our guest is a retired school principal. He was also our first guest on the podcast ever, and he's my dad. It's Peter Tangi. G'day, Pen. G'day, Christina. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Back by popular demand. That's right. <laughs> he was our most pop. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but people did really like your episode. Thank you. Uh, it is strange being talking to you two. It feels a bit like a rabbit in the spotlight. Bullets are going to fly. What we're talking about today, last time we were talking about Arnie Babe. Yes. Your aunt who lived in Newstead. And today we're going to be talking about another lady who you knew in Newstead. And Newstead's a um, town in central Victoria. This is a, someone who I always knew as Penn Hall. Dad, how, can you tell me how you first met Penn Hall and how you knew her? She lived in Newstead with a, a lady called Miss Moss. Mm-hmm. Chalkle Nellie Louise Kasner Moss. <laughs> you know her full name, Chalkles. And, uh, Chalkles. Name, yeah. My brother used to do odd jobs for them at their house and as my brother got older I was 12 and uh, got dad to talk to them and see whether I was old enough to go up and do jobs Aww. at their house that's how I really got to know them and so were they nice to you when you they were very very nice to me over the years that went every Saturday morning to work with them they called it work but it really wasn't <laughs> um, what sort of things would you do there were things like there'd be cooch grass in the drain. Yeah. And there'd be a, a, a very small sharpened knife 
that every bit of cooch grass was cut with the uh, knife, and that was the way it was done. I was taught, they're paying the money, you do it the way they tell them. (laughs) When I was 14, I painted the whole of the exterior of the house. Wow. Wow. Not any took me a year. (laughs) (laughs) But you got there in the end. Got there in the end. (laughs) 14 to 15. Everything was very... uh, the way the brushes were washed and everything was done. Oh, very. And if, if it was warm, I'd get there about 8 o'clock. A pen would come out with a glass of uh, cordial at half past 8 because oh. it's very hot. <laughs> then there was always afternoon tea, a morning tea at about half past 9 that went to 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> always featuring my favourite cream wafer biscuits. Oh. <laughs> and... Um, as the years went on and as I got older, I'd still go and do jobs for them, you know. And uh, at half past nine, would you like a glass of sherry, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time. It's about that time. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so cute. And so did you know much about her earlier life? All that? I know was that uh, she was married mm-hmm. because they were known as Miss Moss and Mrs Hall. Mm-hmm. And that was the terminology used in the town. They were local town identities. Everybody knew Moss and Hall. Yeah. <laughs> and they were very well liked, even though uh, we could use inverted commas, of course, that Chalkles was a little bit eccentric. Was she? <laughs> I want to talk more about Chalkles. What I remember about Penn Hall, going to visit her, which she was quite, uh, she was an old lady by the time. I knew her and she always had a box of chocolates on the fridge. Nice. And when we'd come in, we'd always be a little bit nervous, like, are we going to get the chocolates? But <laughs> it was just guaranteed. Like, she every single time she'd be like, get the chocolates off the fridge, Peter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, she was, she was lovely. very kind-hearted, thoughtful. I never, ever heard her raise her voice Really? Once. Not the same about chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor chocolates. And I didn't know much about Penhall at all when I first looked her up in Trove and I didn't know that she'd been married. I didn't know whether what her maiden name was or anything like that. And so I started looking for Penelope Hall and then luckily I was sort of able to go back from there. And it turns out that she came from quite a wealthy and prominent family and that means that there was a lot of information on Trove about her and the people that she's connected with. And to be honest, like, there were so many different people that I could have done, like, a whole episode on because, <laughs> it, like, usually it's like you can only find, like, a few articles. But this one was like, this is just, well, they're all in the paper all the time. There's some people that would just not go on that tangent because you could have gone down <laughs> rabbit holes. you like the fat. Newstead Kardashians. Yes, they love yep. the I think much. I'm going to find out a lot more about Penn Hall than I ever, ever knew. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I'm hoping that this will you'll be able to say whether these um, match with things that you've already heard about. So she was born Penelope Wynne Corrie in, I think, 1900 and her parents were Leslie and Christina. Oh, good on me. Yeah, and she was an only child. She was an only child. Yeah, just yeah. like me. Yeah, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. I know. I know because I share quite well now, so it's (laughs) easy to forget. So did Penn Hall. And her dad was an architect and her mum was a social campaigner. She was a suffragette basically. Mm -hmm. And her dad was the mayor of Brisbane. 
Wow. For two terms from 1902 to 03. So in that time, there's quite a lot of articles about Penhall going to events as a toddler. This is one that was published in the Queensland Figaro, 26th of February, 1903. And Penhall is only mentioned briefly in this, but I think it sort of gives us an idea of the kind of world that she was moving in as a toddler. Presentation to the mayoress. There is an old saying taken as gospel truth by most people to the effect that women cannot keep a secret. Look, it is, it is an issue we have as a gender. Yes. <laughs> However, a secret and a very big one was kept by the women of Brisbane lately. Genuine surprise and pleasure struggled for preeminence in the expression of the mayoress's face last Tuesday morning when the object of her invitation to the town hall on that occasion was explained to her. So this is Penhall's mum. Right. She's excited. Mrs Philip read the address from its neatly bound and handsomely decorated pages and Mrs Bocock made an appropriate speech. Well, I'm glad. Last <laughs> time was out of control. <laughs> I know. She wore clothes and everything. Yeah, no alcohol involved. <laughs> As she presented the lovely pearl necklet and pendant to Mrs Leslie Corrie and the gold chain and amethyst necklet for little Miss Penelope Corrie, the mayor's daughter. So basically the secret is they got a present. That's a pretty big secret. Yeah. <laughs> well, so they should too. They've done a lovely job. The mayor didn't get paid in those days. Well, that's probably true. So yes. they could cash that in. <laughs> Straight down to the pawn shop. Yep. <laughs> Mrs Corrie made a very graceful and touching little speech which showed how pleased she was with the surprise... Surprise is actually in quotation marks. Mm, so I think maybe that... she knew. <laughs> <laughs> and the kindly thoughts which prompted it. Over a hundred ladies were present, and the fact that as many more would like to have been included in the list of donors had more subscriptions been needed, prove how very popular the mayoress of nineteen oh two to three is amongst us. There's lots of articles like that about where Penelope Corey goes to events with her parents. And there's one where she actually meets Dame Nellie Melba. Wow. Dame Nellie won a coconut at the fair. Which is she a, won a coconut? She won a coconut and then she gave it back. Well, that's how it should work. And then they auctioned the coconut, so <laughs> that worked out really well. They auctioned one of Dame Nellie's coconuts. coconuts. Desperate times. And it nearly rained in that article. <laughs> it nearly rained and they were going to call the fair off and then they said – and then Mrs. the mayoress said – I tell you what, if Dame Nellie will come, we'll still do it. Otherwise, it's off. And Dame Nellie says, I need to change my dress and then I'll be there. Oh, maybe she had an outer covered yeah. with um, a dryzer bone like <laughs> yeah, texture. She put on a dryzer bone. Yeah. <laughs> she got it <laughs> pushed through. She won a coconut. She met Penelope Corey. And, and there's also a photo. This is exciting. Get ready for this. There is a photo of Penn Hall when she was Penelope Corey at the Children's Hospital Ball and she was dressed as a nurse. Now, you ready for this? How Little, old would she have been? She would have been three, two or three. Okay, you ready? <laughs> you yep. ready? Look back in time. <laughs> oh. Is there a face on that? Uh, not really. No. It's uh, <laughs> really scary. <laughs> Sorry, this is uh, not a visual medium. Basically, you can just see the costume and you can't see the face, so it just looks like a sort of floating body. A bit of an apparition. With a hat. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite spooky. And I don't know whether that's because of that's how it was in the paper. It was a failure of printing or whether it's a digitisation failure there. And then the other reason, that, the other thing that's often from this time, there's every time someone went away, they're like it's printed in the paper that, oh, they went on holidays. The Corries have gone to stay in Sydney 
it was like social media. We're here. The old Hashtag on holiday. But that was yeah. the, the social columns. Yeah. Of the, the, the country or local newspapers mm. was that Mr and Mrs so-and-so from so-and-so mm. are visiting Mr and Mrs yeah. so-and-so from so-and-so. <laughs> it's fascinating news. <laughs> and I presume sometimes you'd look through and you'd go, oh, well, I'll go and visit them or you'd be like. So basically she's a very, she's in a posh family, Dad. Now, did she seem posh when you knew her? She was very refined. Oh. When I say that, uh, manners, uh, impeccable. Mm. Um, the way she treated people was impeccable. Um, never flustered. Probably one of the things, and I didn't know which one had come from, pen or chocolate, mm. was the amount of books that were in the house. Interesting. The whole house had bookshelves down every corridor and in every bedroom on mm. all a range of different topics that you could think of. That she come from a refined background yeah. is not surprising to me. Yeah. Mm. And did she – how was that – I mean, I don't want to say, like, we're not, we weren't super duper posh. And neither oh, of most. Don't undersell yourselves, tangies. And, and neither <laughs> were most people in Newsting. So, how was that received? Like, did people like that? People, did people think they were stuck up or were they fine about it because she was nice? You have to understand the context of uh, Miss Moss and Mrs. Hall. Oh, yeah, we might get more to that but context later, yeah. The way that they were received were the just. And normal people in the community. Yeah. People were always welcome to the house. Yeah. Particularly by Penn. Chalkles acted as a, a, a local vet. And oh. people often come with com- things to do with animals. And Chalkles had some medications for animals there. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but as I, like I said, Penn would always welcome people with open arms. But somebody would pull up at the gate. And Chalkles would say, yell out at the top of his voice, who in the bloody hell's that, Ben? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Someone with a cat in a carry cage. <laughs> and there was no doubt they were a different couple. Mm. But I think in those days too that difference was accepted. Mm. And particularly uh, when people basically stuck to themselves in one sense, mm. but also understood that in a country community, people, everybody had to get on with everybody else. Mm. So nobody bagged too much out. And if we go back to the first podcast about poor Uncle Jack and his war neurosis. Oh, that's right. People yeah. accepted that. Yeah. He was different. He was probably a pain in the backside at times. <laughs> yeah. People accepted difference in a much more tolerable way than they do now. That's very interesting. Mm. Penelope's dad was Leslie Corey, and I've got a much better photo of him. Oh, this he is, has a face. That's there good. he is. Oh, yes. Now, Christina, mm. do you want to describe him for me? To me, he looks oh. like he could be a bit of a travelling magician because <laughs> he's got a very impressive moustache. He does. And he does look like he has a bit of a supernatural kind of quality <laughs> he does. about he him. He has a massive forehead. Yeah, big forehead. Mm. Um, yes, quite mm. quite dignified looking person. And, but that moustache is definitely of its time. Mm, it's a feature. This is one of the buildings he designed. This is the Queensland Deposit Bank building. Wow, that's from 1903. Massive. Yep, that's one of his. That, he must have been very successful. Yeah, I think he was, yeah. 
Her dad died in 1918. And the Daily Mail published an obituary on the 3rd of August 1918 um, that said, though far from a strong man physically, he was a man of many intellectual qualities and possessed of boundless energy. And the article also says that Leslie Corrie's mother and mother-in-law had died shortly before him. And so that means that Penn lost her father and two grandmothers in the space of a few weeks. Oh, that's horrible. That's very sad. Yeah, when she was 18. But then it's the 20s. Well, hey. So we're ready to party. Nice. <laughs> and she was part of it, <laughs> yeah. So I, in the early 1920s, Penelope Corrie had, I think, quite a nice time. She got around. <laughs> yep. She went to the theatre. There's, like, lots of articles. She went to the theatre. She went to the races. She had dinner at the governor's house. She went to a state ball, which was attended by the Prince of Wales. Wow. Yes. And you can tell that she was somewhat important because sometimes the papers describe what she wore. That's how you know. You, yeah. yeah. People Some, only care what you wear if, you, <laughs> yeah. if you're someone. So things like this, and I think this sounds really nice, Satin, I don't know how to pronounce the words, but I'll have a go. Uh, she wore a satin chamoose. Chamoose? I don't even know what chamoose is, but let's go with chamoose. Satin chamoose with satin plait at waist and vest of gold tissue. Just a Kleenex dipped in gold leaf. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And she also at this time she goes and stays in Sydney with her mother for quite a while. So did Penhall, did she ever talk about, did she say, I met the Prince of Wales? Like, did she talk about this stuff? Never. So never, ever. She never name-dropped anyone? No, that wasn't her style. Yeah. She, typical of Pen, she was more interested in you mm. than her about herself. So she knew a lot about the goings-on at uh, Castlemaine High School. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she probably did. <laughs> it was just the way she was. And in Newstead, did she, in the Castlemaine district, did she move in any high circles there? Did she attend the mayor's ball or? No. The, this mm. side of Penn is the side that, uh, the side that I <laughs> never saw. Yeah, and she didn't, like, ever come out, like, dressed in a big gold tissue? No, <laughs> gold tissue, chamois, whatever. <laughs> um, she used to always wear long dresses. Penn would... She would go out to, to do some shopping with Chalkles. Chalkles always drove. And she was always very chatty to people. But she certainly didn't uh, attend uh, opening functions of yeah. art galleries or, or the local ball or yeah. anything like that. It do you think she retired from, from all of these I, sorts of things and went I think and she in Newstead a little bit? a significant change in her life, yes. Mm. I think there was a big Something happened. Break. There was a big change. There was a big yeah. change. So, but here's a change. She, she got married. In the social whirlwind, uh, she met and became engaged to Keith Hall. He was Lieutenant Keith Hall at that time. And that's how she got the name that we've always known her by, so Penn Hall, Penelope Hall. And he came from a military family. His dad was a major... He was someone who I didn't go into too much because it could, would have just been a rabbit hole, but he seems to have been quite well-liked. He was described as popular and charming and he, everyone always called him Sammy. Okay. And I think just before his wedding he got arrested for trespass. <laughs> okay. I like that you just casually slipped yeah. that in. But he just took some horses onto a bridge like I don't care. No. Um, <laughs> he didn't know that bridge was owned by someone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
So the wedding was written up in the paper. It's pretty boring, though, to be honest. Um, mm. But Dad's looking at me. He's like, but what was she wearing? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. What coloured tissue? <laughs> this is from the Brisbane Courier on the 7th of May. The youthful bride, who was given away by Mr E. Milner Stephen, wore a frock of ivory satin grenade. Oh. Don't know what it is. Falling in rich folds. Mm. Because they were rich. Not cheap folds. No. <laughs> Girdled at the waist oh. with silver leaves and posies of silver. Handmade flowers at the hem. She carried a bouquet of white sweet peas and chrysanthemums and wore a beautiful limerick lace veil lent by Mrs Alex Davidson of Neutral Bay. I feel like that was a condition of the loan. Yes. And you have to say that I I'd like it to, to be, you. I'm a neutral brave. Get I'd it like in. to be mentioned in yeah. the society pages. Thank you. The veil was fastened by a fillet of silver around the hair <laughs> and her string of pearls were the gift of the bridegroom. Well, that's nice. Isn't that? And Dad's like, what, what, what was a going away outfit? What got was it? it? I've got it, Dad. Okay, calm down. It was a navy blue. Penny, what was the going away? <laughs> oh, good. He took the hint. <laughs> it was a navy blue coat frock worn with handsome furs and oh. a navy hat with grey wings. So she could just fly away. <laughs> this is um, an article that was published 7th of May 1922 in the Sydney Sunday Times. So Penelope would have been about 22. That's right. It's so good that she was born in 1900. It's very convenient for my basic notes on a Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) And the headline is Naming a Rose, All Dressed Up. Her father, Mr Leslie Corrie of Brisbane, was noted for his wonderful garden. On one occasion, his gardener produced the red and cream rose and asked if he might call it Penelope after Mr Corrie's little daughter. It was and rare chance that a rose could suggest a dark girl, but Penelope just suits the richly coloured flower and the flower just suits Penelope Hall, who is dark and vivid. And I couldn't find a picture of the Penelope rose, so it was an official name for this particular rose, but now it's not. There's a different rose that's now called Penelope and, quite frankly, it is pale and insipid. Mm, and I Probably wish, doesn't smell nice either. I wish we had the dark and vivid version back, but um, <laughs> unfortunately. So I've actually got a photo of Penelope Hall and I think she does look dark and vivid. This was also from 1922. Oh, yes. Yeah, and there look, she Dad, is. Oh, dear. Doesn't it look like her? It does. It does. She always had that hard-shouldered bit too. Yeah. Probably needed to see a chiropractor. But (laughs) when you're you're 22, it's quite elegant. Like she looks... Oh, she looks very refined. Yeah. And dark and vivid, I feel. Yes, yes. Okay. So then after she got married, she's called Mrs Keith Hall in the papers. Mm. And it was good that I worked that out because (laughs) if I hadn't of... We wouldn't have known Come much to about untimely what she end. Because <laughs> I was looking for Penelope Hall and no, no, that's not what we're calling her. Straight after she gets married, she's still very active on the Brisbane social scene. And she's going to balls, garden parties, she's hosting afternoon teas. Um, All the stuff you and I do. Her frock of jewelled net had side panels of pale blue georgette <laughs> bordered with fur. Do you think we've Just maybe... Like you and me. Yeah, do you think that we've maybe changed what fabrics we use? I'm a bit confused. <laughs> I know, what's Georgette? Oh. And who's got a dress with furs on it? <laughs> what's happening? In Brisbane. Yeah, it sounds a bit sensory <laughs> for my liking. Did she wear much fur? In recollection, 
she may have had a coat. Yes. It would fit in better in Newstead than Brisbane, I would have thought. I think she did have. Goldfields winters are chilly. (laughs) (laughs) They are very cold. Yes. Yeah, it's not as cold as Trentham though, is it, Dad? No. In Newstead, not as cold as Trentham. Anytime you mention Trentham to Dad, he goes, oh, it's cold in Trentham. Yeah. <laughs> so then in 1925, they moved to South Yarra. And then at that time, not as many articles about what she got up to in Melbourne. Mm. Maybe she was a small fish in a big pond. Maybe. Maybe she had started sort of retiring a bit from society. I don't really know. 1928, he's a captain now. He's Captain Hall and he's moved to Perth. And Did she go too? She, she went with him. <laughs> I did know that mm. she went, she was in Perth yeah. and he was a captain. Oh, lovely. Now, here's a photo of her from that time. Oh. Not quite as dark and vivid there. No, I think she looks a bit sad. She and looks very does sad. Does even look like her? I don't know. It's no, a terrible she doesn't hat. look a happy woman, does she? No. Does that, to me, I don't go, oh, that's Penn Hall. No, I wouldn't say mm. Yeah, away, Yeah, I she looks sad. Anyway, once she's in Perth... Also, not much mention of social life. She still, every time she goes to visit her mum, there's an article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they go to visit um, Captain Hall's parents, there's, a, there's mm. a little note. There was one article that I found that I was very excited about. Oh, yeah. And I think you'll like it. Christina, you're a dog fan. I do you? love a dog. Do Dad love a dog story. Dogs. We all like dogs. Okay. If you don't like dogs, you can turn off now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Scroll forwards. If you don't like dogs, you're barking up the wrong tree. Oh, well done. Okay. <laughs> so this is from 1934. So it's a bit later. And it's from the district's advocate from the 4th of June. Titled, I can't pronounce this word either. A dog's sagacity. 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 Sagacity, 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 okay. (laughs) Her dog's sagacity. At the meeting of the WA Kennel Association held last week, a remarkable example of a dog's sagacity was mentioned by... What what does that word mean? I need to look it up. Just says the quality of being sagacious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me see. Oh, um, the quality of having or showing understanding and the ability to make good judgments. So this is a dog that makes good judgments. As in say. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. I'm glad we got there. A remarkable example of a dog's sagacity. (laughs) Sagacity? You're not bonding with the word. (laughs) (laughs) A remarkable example of a dog's sagacity. Sagacity. Was mentioned by Mrs. P. Hall of Mundaring. P. Hall? <laughs> yeah, just P. Yep. Mrs. Hall said that recently, when motoring to her home, the steering rod of the car fractured, with the result that the car crashed into a tree. Oh. And she and her companion, Miss oh. Moss. Oh, hello, Miss Moss. Were both badly injured. Oh, Miss Moss. Yes. <laughs> With them in the motor car was a cocker spaniel, Diana. <laughs> Great name. It's a lovely name. I'm isn't into it? this. I want to know if she was a golden one. I feel she was. Oh, they don't say. She was thrown out of the car but was not hurt. No harnesses back then. The dog was obviously troubled because Mrs. Hall could not move. After smelling around a while, Diana ran to a fruit packing shed <laughs> about of a quarter of a mile distant. 
This is like Lassie. Quick, there's been an accident. <laughs> there she seized one of the men by the trouser leg. Yes. And persisted in that action until the man realised that something was wrong. <laughs> Lucky she crazy. didn't get a This boot. is an amazing story, isn't it? Diana. He, he allowed himself to be led by <laughs> Diana to the scene of the accident and medical aid was soon summoned. Good job, Diana. I hope the dog got a, a, a cross. Oh, you'd reckon you'd... Well, at least a schmacko. Yeah. <laughs> a liver strip. Yeah. Diana is a thoroughbred cocker spaniel. Oh, good, here comes her lineage. Mm. <laughs> and an almost constant companion of Mrs Hall at Miss Moss. What did the dog wear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what colour? What lead? I'm sure it was gold tissue or georgette or something nice. She's wearing one of those fun costumes from Kmart. (laughs) (laughs) And the Cocker Spaniel is a class of dog bred by the Nubian Kennels. Now, Nubian Kennels, I read in a different article, was run by Mrs Hall and Miss Moss. Mm. And and the Cocker Spaniel was a constant companion of both of them. What was interesting there in in the latter years, Mm. when I knew them, they always had a dog, but it was always a pug. I do love a pug. And if one died, they'd get another one. It was definitely inside dog. Yeah. And uh, it uh, was fed as royally as I was at morning Mm. So I wonder what put them off the Cocker Spaniel. Well, you know, golden Cocker Spaniels often have quite big behavioural issues. There's there's (laughs) a bit of a screw loose with them. They were um, running a, a dog shelter by the sand. Yeah, the, the Nubian kennels. It wasn't a dog shelter. It was like breeding cocker spaniels pure. They uh, went in shows and stuff and that was so much attention. Maybe they became disillusioned with the breed standards. <laughs> <laughs> Probably they could sell the cocker spaniels and they happened to have a couple of pugs that nobody did buy. <laughs> and then they went, oh, actually, this dog's a bit more <laughs> chilled out. Although, will it save them from a house fire? I don't know. Anyway, um, so 1936... Major Hall left Perth and moved back to Melbourne. I think Penhall went with him. So did Miss Moss. <laughs> mm. So, but then in 1937, her mother died. So Christina, I was, oh, she, sorry, I thought it was me. No, I was getting you. revved up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're fine. She had got remarried after Leslie Corrie died. She got married to another, uh, he was a university professor person. She really was doing a lot of social activism type of work by then and she was called Mrs A.J. Tyne and this is the obituary. Mrs A.J. Tyne passes, was prominent in women's movements. Mrs A.J. Tyne, who was prominent in women's movements and the social life of Brisbane for many years, died yesterday after a long illness. The deceased lady was born at Helensburg on Clyde, Scotland, 69 years ago. She was educated partly there and partly in New Zealand, where she lived with her family for some years. In 1899, she came to Brisbane and was married to Mr Leslie Gordon Corrie, a well-known architect. Mr Corrie was mayor of Brisbane in 1902 and again in 1903, and Mrs Corrie worthily helped him carry out the social duties of the position. Charming speaker. That's a heading. Indeed, Mrs Corrie, as she... Indeed, Mrs Corrie, as she then was, seemed to be naturally adapted for public life. <laughs> like a pot plant. She'd been that's good at <laughs> She'd been selectively bred. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she was a charming speaker and was often heard to advantage in women's meetings and on the public platform. 
She was a prime mover in the establishment of the Queensland Women's Electoral League and took a prominent part in the inauguration of the Queensland branch of the National Council of Women. So basically she was a big campaigner for women to vote. Mm. When did uh, women get the vote in Queensland? Well, I think didn't everyone get it after Federation because... I think so. Yes, because they had it in South Australia. In state politics. Yeah. They had it in South Australia for state politics and then when everyone federated they couldn't disenfranchise yes. the people who were already mm. franchised it. So then everyone got it. So they should. Yes. Thank you, Dad, yes. for your support. <laughs> I'll say anything for popular <laughs> Hello, this is Penny from the future here. I just wanted to correct something that I said in that section. I said that everyone got the vote after Federation, but of course that's not true and Aboriginal people didn't get the option to vote until the 1960s. And then there's a whole lot of other activities that she did. Some years after the death of Mr Corrie, his widow married the late Mr A.J. Tyne, which is how she got her current name. (laughs) Gosh, thanks for clearing that up. And as wife of that Vice-Chancellor of the University Senate, she took a practical interest in educational matters. Mrs Tyne's only daughter, Mrs Penelope Hall, came from Melbourne to attend her mother in her last illness. The funeral, which was a private one, took place in the crematorium this morning. It sounds very much like Penn, though, to go and mm. look after her. Mm. She, she always, like, throughout all the years, the most consistent thing is um, notes in the paper. She went to visit her mother and there's a quite extended period that she visited her yeah. in this time. Look at her. That's a good, that's, yeah. That's mum. Yep. She looks like a suffragette to me. <laughs> a very stylish one. Yes. She's got a big hat. It's a statement hat. Yep. Uh, and a very, very small waist. A very small waist. This <laughs> was probably earlier in her life. It's hard to tell. Half of her face is completely black. <laughs> it's one of those problems. It's a bit phantom of the opera. It's very phantom oh. of the opera. But anyway, so that was 1937, but another big thing happened in Penn Hall's life in 1937, and this is from the Melbourne Herald, 12th of April, 1937, and it's a list of divorce decrees. Mm. And there's this one. Keith Aiken Hall, 40, of Victoria Barracks, officer of the Permanent Military Forces, against Penelope Wynne Hall, 34, of Maroolbark. Wow. Slash, slash, desertion. Desertion? And so this is saying that she deserted him. But who knows? No one hired a private investigator. So in those days, I think one party had to had file. To. Yeah, there had to be a fault. Mm. And didn't sometimes, they? if it was agreed, one party just volunteered to do that. Yeah. Mm. So that, that could mm. be it. He did get engaged. So that was in April. He was engaged in August. So he really took it hard <laughs> um, <laughs> to Beryl Jeans of Perth. Oh, and he, Beza. <laughs> and he was still living in Melbourne. What did she wear at her wedding? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was one of the rabbit holes. Which denim? I, I re- <laughs> Double denim. <laughs> I don't think she was quite as classy as Penhall. No, he really stepped down. Yeah, but I had to I had to leave Beryl alone because I wanted to chase Beryl down I wanted that rabbit to, hole. I want I to chase Beryl. <laughs> I wanted to know more about Beryl, but I just... I wonder if they had a child called Levi. <laughs> Strauss. <laughs> Beryl... <laughs> He wasn't in Perth, so she was in Perth, and so he actually wired over to her 
uh, on the telegram. I think he po- he proposed, proposed over oh, telegram. Gosh, that's romantic. And then <laughs> sent the but he did he send the ring via mm. post? And he only moved to Melbourne in 1936 as well. And he met this woman. In- he, he, so he must have met her before he left Perth. He came to Melbourne, got divorced, and then uh, yes. said, "What about a barrel?" Um, and she come was, on, Bez. She was super pumped, actually. <laughs> she she really wanted to. <laughs> so it would seem that the divorce was about him getting engaged. Again. It feels that way, but then I think maybe both of them had really moved on before they got divorced. But in the 1930s, divorce was not common at all. No, you, I think you were encouraged to suck it up and yeah, get on with it, exactly. really, weren't you? Find an outside interest and push through. <laughs> exactly. And I think it was probably fortunate that Penn wasn't a Catholic too. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, yeah. And so did, she, did you, do you ever hear about anything about her husband? Like you knew she'd been married to a captain. He actually became a major in mm. the end before he married Beryl. Only that yeah. she was married mm. and her name was Mrs Hall. And you knew that she was divorced then? Yes, yes. yes. And did you? Were there any other divorced people in Newstead? How do I know? I, you know, I was still a kid. Um, but did anyone like? Did people get divorced? Was that something that <laughs> happened? And then like to be oh, a scandal? Don't not very often. I don't. Think. Yeah. So then, so from the 1930s when that ended, when she, I don't know when she moved to Newstead. To be honest, I can't definitively mm. tell you this, but. They didn't move to Newstead straight away. Mm. This is Miss Moss and Mrs Hall. They had the post office at Welshman's Reef Ah. and they run the post office at Welshman's Reef for a number of years. Mm. Was there a lot of... I suppose there were more people living in Welshman's Reef then. They had their own post office. Where's Welshman's Reef? It's halfway between Malden and Newstead. Why is it a reef in the middle? I've never thought about uh, that. (laughs) They mind a bit of... Imagine, back in the old days when there's a bit of a gold rush going on. Yeah. If an American prospector found some gold, he might call it California Gully. Right. right. Okay. If uh, a person who lives in the, the west of Great Britain uh, finds a reef, they might call it Welshman's Reef. Oh, okay. All it, right. So it was, a, it was Welsh people who found it. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Well... <laughs> I think so. Um, there were there was some uh, some deep weed mining there, right. mm-hmm. so there's certainly gold still there. Oh, and, should we go? Uh, Let's go. I'm on. And uh, I don't recall the statistics, but that gold field in its heyday might have had five thousand people there. Oh my god! Uh, wow. And so then know, by the nineteen six thousand shanties. Ooh. Well, there's always one more pub than there were people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Of course, Wilson Street's a lot smaller now. Yes, and in, but in the forties, there would have been more people than there are now. Oh yes, yeah. yes, and and also people didn't farms. travel as far for whatever they yeah. needed. And I believe they had the telephone there at the time too. I'm not sure. But I think <laughs> they did, <laughs> uh, but they did all the things that post office people do. Yeah, so they obviously needed to work, or do you think they just liked it? Well, remember, Chalk still had that sideline of uh, the veterinary. Yes. She's um, selling drugs to the dogs. And Ketamine. <laughs> they always, inverted commas, weren't short of money. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I think because... I know they had, you know, money invested in shares and mm. things like that. But they never forwarded it. Yes. Never owed anybody a cent. They would have been earning their money. 
And I think when they were at Wilson's Reed, they might have milked three or four cows and sent the cream to the butter factory too. Oh, my God. I don't do anything. Gosh, that would be such a good side hustle. <laughs> Just get oh a few God, cows. Oh, God, Christine has had some idea, yeah. another idea. <laughs> okay, I'll show you a photo of Chalkles. Mm. This is from her when she was in <clears throat> 1929 and she was a university student. So she's from Perth. Her whole family lived in Perth. But she came to Melbourne University to go to uni. So I think the books might have been hers. Like I'm not saying Penn wasn't a big reader, but she... I think that a lot of the books were Yeah. So that's Chalkles. Does that look like Chalkles? Uh, I never met Chalkles. <laughs> I... Uh, it's hard to I'm say. I'm a little bit... Fascinated by the picture. Oh. Because. I didn't intend to fascinate. <laughs> it appears that Chalkles is wearing a dress. Oh. oh. Did Chalkles not wear dresses? Because I've Chalkles got some description of her outfit. She was about 16, they used to have Deb Ball. And that she was made to go to this Deb Ball in this dress. <gasps> And she said, you know, Bill, I never sm- felt so naked in all my life. <laughs> and in all the times that I knew Charles, she dressed like a man Int- and swore like a man. Wow. wow. And behaved in every attribute of mm. being a man. That's fascinating. But she was always Miss Moss. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Oh, I wish – because I did find, like, a few things about her going to social events because she ca- also came from, she know, came from a well-off family. I mm. think her father was a doctor. Yes. And so um, she also – there's a few descriptions, but I wonder if I could actually find that debutante ball one where she um, – Felt naked. Yeah, and we could probably find out, was it Georgette, was it – you know? yeah. yeah, did it have Saturn. furs on it? Yeah. <laughs> what was the trim? Come on. Yeah. Tissues. I think everyone's got this now. Penhall and Chalkles were obviously a couple. They were gay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought they just bred dogs together. <laughs> just have the definitive answer to that. Okay. Only just. All right. Miss Moss and Mrs Hall mm. were very highly respected in the community. Yes. It was nobody's business. Yes. Nobody discussed those things. Right. Although I can remember, Dad had gone up to help. Uh, he got a phone call from Chalkles to come up mm. because um, Penn had had a fall and oh. landed her head on the air, on the corner of the upright of the head of the bed. Mm. Oh, gosh. Uh, Chalkles was telling Dad all about it, and because Chalkles said uh, Penn had to go to hospital, and she said, "Bill," she said, "I went over to kiss." Pen, good night, and there was blood everywhere, bloody blood everywhere. <laughs> I, I think I think you have now, given us the answer. I wished to comment no further about okay. that. But no comment, and at this point, Peter's becoming a bit pixelated. <laughs> um, and your dad obviously repeated that, but he wasn't like people. He didn't go around. You did say no, that. no, but to you, like yes. he. he in some ways the town was accepting, but only if it wasn't, like, you couldn't actually say. It's well, not like they could have an anniversary dinner and have people over. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. It wasn't in that It era, was like a don't ask, don't tell, basically. Mm. You know, all the rainbow stuff hadn't been invented. Yeah. 
and um, when I said people accept the difference, mm. they ignored difference. Yeah. Mm. That's a better word to, to put. Yeah. But nobody hung it on them because they were a couple. Right. Because the community needed them. Yes. Right, yes, because they had to get the ways. ketamine. Yeah, the ketamine. <laughs> Got to get the ketamine. And probably Penn's moved away quite a bit in terms of her being quite sociable and quite yeah, friendly pe- and nice. Pe- Penn, and it was probably why the Chalkles didn't feel comfortable with those uh, major societal functions. Mm. So Penn didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And moved away from that yeah. completely. Yeah, it's like she had two completely different lives. Yeah. And my oldest sister, Bernadette, um, we weren't from a family that had a history of tertiary education Mm. at all. But when she was year eight and nine, she used to go up to uh, Mosson Halls for French lessons. Which one of them spoke? It it, uh, was mainly Chalkles. But if Chalkles got called out to... uh, because a cow had milk for (laughs) us... Um, <gasps> Penn would step in. She was very well educated too. And when did Chalkles die? I can't recall the year. Yeah. I, I feel a bit ashamed that I can't. I believe it was probably in the early 80s, perhaps about 82. So I would never have met Chalkles. 83. And how often do we actually go and visit because then Penn Hall was living in Castlemaine, wasn't she? Yes, they moved to Castlemaine. Which is about 15 minutes from Newstead. And so sometimes when we came, went to visit Nana and Pa, we would go and visit Penn Hall as well, but not every time. No. So how often would we go? I don't even know. We didn't go a lot. Yeah. Probably once every six months, something like But, yeah, I remember it being a regular thing. Then the, the, one of the first things I found, because it was – Includes the actual name in it, but one of, in terms of chrono- chronology, the last articles about Penhall was from 1990. And it was actually a piece in the Australian Jewish News. And it was about the Jewish Museum of Australia acquiring a portrait that they were very excited about by the artist Henry William Pickersgill. Oh. You know Pickersgill? Pickers. On your pick. Pickersgill. Yep. And it was donated by Penelope Hall. It was a portrait of Reuben Moss, the child Reuben Moss, uh, who was Jewish. And I, I was when I, I first believe that I can remember that painting in the house. Yes, was. that's what I wanted to ask you because I've got a picture. Because I it. did have some paintings, not many, mm. and I remember there was this one that sort of stood out a bit. And, and when I first. Um, heard this, because this is the first thing I found, I was like, why does she, she wasn't Jewish, why has she got this? And then, I, of course, I've... The Moss. The Moss connection. So this is the picture, Dad. That's Reuben Moss <clears throat> picture there. That's a very feminine child. Well, yes, they were in those I days. Think I think I have definitely seen that picture. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, you can go and see it again. It's the Jewish Museum. <laughs> so you remember, where was it in their house? Uh, I think it was in a hallway. And I think that's her, um, Chalkle's grandfather. There's a wing of a local hospital that's in her name as well, isn't it? Yes. uh, She was a wonderful philanthropist. Mm. And really, it's probably no surprise that there were no um, children of Moss and Hall. And she didn't have any children with um, Major Hall either. Mm. Now, don't go suggesting anything. (laughs) Now... 
<laughs> well, we know she wasn't a beard. No. Because he was right into Beryl. Yes. <laughs> really got involved with Beryl. Penny had, had, had certainly had significant resources mm. and she decided that she would donate them to the local um, hospital to uh, build a wing for um, elderly people who mm. need care. And it was called, very appropriately, the, the Penn Hall Wing. Which hospital is that? Is that in? That's in Castlemaine. Okay, Castlemaine. That so that must have been a very significant donation. Oh, most definitely yes. Mm. Well, I guess she, you know, she was an only child, and she would have um, her parents were wealthy, and by the, by the time her mother died, <laughs> her second husband had also died, so she would have. Yeah. And I think Chalkers had and some Chalkers, resources yeah. too. It's very interesting. Like uh, uh, our auntie. Jean mm. was in Penn Hall before she died. Oh, that's right, yeah. And quite a number of people knew Penn Hall mm. and then in the old people's home that yeah. was named after her. It was the most successful uh, and appreciated donation to yeah. the community. Yeah. When did Penn Hall die? I feel ashamed I can't remember. Uh, she, that was in the late 90s, I believe. Mm. I'm really... I don't remember the funeral. I did... For what some happened? reason, I wasn't able to go, so we didn't go. And uh, whether there may have just been a private burial, yeah. uh, because Penn wouldn't have wanted any fuss or anything yeah. like that. Uh, I don't know. And I think mm. she has other, because we're obviously not related to her, she's just a family friend. Um, I think some of her, she does have relatives from different branches of the family who are quite interested in her history. I think someone's written oh, well, that's a terrific. family history of her yeah. as well. So that's really good. Is there anything else you wanted to say about it that we haven't? There's two things I'll mm. say. One is that, and this is bragging a bit, mm. but I'm getting older, you'll have to do this. <laughs> That Penn and uh, Chalkers were talking to my father one day over a cuppa. Oh, not a sherry. And uh, <laughs> and uh, one of them said, "If we had a son, we'd like him to be just like Peter." That is so beautiful. That's and the cute. other one is Penny. I wonder why you're called Penelope. Yes, was, I did wonder. This was going to be my final question. Mm, Georgina was not worthy. It was <laughs> you who took the title. I <laughs> believe, in fact, I know, uh, such a wonderful, gentle person. Mm. And uh, I think you should be honoured to share her name, Penny. Oh, thank yes. you so much. I am. Like, I really am. And, I mean, I always had really positive... Um, Memories of her. You need and to I, get a pug. My friend has pug puppies at the moment. That uh, <laughs> if uh, Mosson Hall was still alive, they'd be saying to me, oh, if we had a daughter, Oh, that's brought it all around full circle, has. hasn't it? It has. Oh, and I think Mosson Hall would be a great label for something. It yes, sounds like it could be a really posh clothing, yeah, clothing label. And what or chocolate or something. And what called. you'd have is you'd have like really sensible kind of pants, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd have also that would be the moss part of it. Yeah, and then the hall would be like you'd have some glamorous dresses. Yeah, frills. Yep. See, so there you go. Moss and hall, or it would be like um, soaps and boots, gardening gloves. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yes. Thick. Yep. Farmer's pants. Yeah, yeah. 
With yeah, the, a range of equestrian wear, perhaps. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I mean, because the thing, I mean, because I, I always, we met Penhall, and then when I, I remember when, I don't know when I sort of went, oh, it was Penhall gay. Um, but, you know, I was quite a bit older and it could come as a bit of a, oh, oh, that's quite cool. And then I think I probably asked you about it and you said, oh, yeah, people were just sort of fine with it, like everyone just ignored, like, like mm. you said, ignored. And probably um, less controversial for two women to be living together maybe at that time than two men perhaps. I think that would probably be the case. And mm. see, this is what I remember. This is one of the things that's really sad that people were so homophobic when I was growing up and no, no, certainly no teenager at my school ever said they were gay. Mm. And when I was in primary school, I remember, you know, remember Peter who cut Nana's hair? Yeah, he lived in the corner. Lived on the, in the White House on the corner. I remember a kid from school who is now still not one of my favourite people, but I remember him telling us like he, oh, you know, Peter's a, and then homophobic mm. slur. And we all just went, oh, that's shocking. <laughs> like we, everyone was shocked. But I'd certainly never heard from my family or anyone that being gay was bad. Mm. But it was just not spoken not about. Not spoken about. Yeah. So shocking. And it must have just been so hard for like the kids in the class who I now know were gay. Like mm. must have just been sitting there just feeling like shit. Like, yeah. Really uncomfortable. Yeah. So, but then to hear that all that time earlier there was a couple who was getting out and in the community. Yeah, it's that, nice. It's nice to to hear that they at least like had a had a fairly nice life together. Mm. Oh, I, it was a wonderful life. Mm. Really, that suited them both. Yeah. Mm. Pen, very traditional man and woman roles. Mm. Uh, Pen did all of the cooking. Right. <laughs> Cooked everything, and Chuckles would order the meals, yeah. and often they had the same thing to eat. Every day, um, like on Friday, they would have this. Oh, yeah. Saturday, it's this. Monday. It's well, that's fish. easier for planning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. we're falling into that pattern ourselves a bit. Are you? <laughs> yes, we're in a meal rush at the moment. Need to get out of it. <laughs> well, we have restricted, you know, it's difficult and to find something that everyone used to will cook like. On the, the, the stove, of course, you know, wood stove. Oh, my God. And, um, but this is funny because I can't imagine her doing that. Oh, she when did. she was a socialite. Probably she had someone to do it for Yeah, her, so she must mm, have learned at mm, some point how to... But it was Chalkle's job to get the wood, which meant it was my job to get the wood. <laughs> and I had to, every Saturday, I would chop up wood into four different sizes. Wow. It was easy for pen with the fire. Oh, oh so, so Chalkle's was... it was very was, considerate of yeah. Chalkle's to think of that. I don't think Dave Chalkle's ever put any wood on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, thank you, Christina. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for coming, guys. You're welcome. And, uh, I'm really glad to have confirmed because I have always wondered if I was named after Penhall. You were definitely named after Penhall. That's fantastic. Penhall. So excited. <laughs> yep. Yeah.